Clip your last piece and dig in because the run out starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research was born from the cold, snowy womb of the Alaska Range by climbers up against some of the harshest conditions in alpinism. Since those days on the edge in the 80s, OR has committed itself to creating apparel and gear not just for keeping conditions at bay, but for making sure you have fun and look good along the way. Beauty and function are two guiding principles at OR. The result? Gear you can count on during your deepest adventures and most satisfying journeys. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. The old adage, sport climbing is neither, is now a sad relic of an atavistic time in climbing. A time before there were gyms, before there were World Cups, and before there were climbers capable of on-siting 9A+, but who instead choose to spend 30 hours a week training indoors, 6 to 8 months a year, all in preparation for a single event when they're finally released by their coaches onto a competition stage like animals out of a cage. It was a time that most climbers today will not even remember. Climbing is making its big debut in the 2020 Olympics. When this news was jointly announced by the International Federation of Sport Climbing and the International Olympic Committee two years ago, no one, it seemed, was very happy about it. Grizzled old chuckleheads read the news as yet another omen that climbing had been utterly yuppified, while the most hardcore competition climbers were seemingly united in their disappointment with the proposed format of combining lead, bouldering, and speed. This September, during the biennial World Championships, the IFSC got its first chance to show the climbing world not only why this combined format would be great, fair and just, and even exciting to watch, but also that this format would translate to a successful event in the forthcoming Olympics. So did the IFSC win over the naysayers? Was the World Championships everything world-class comp climbers had hoped for and deserve? And what does it all mean for our sport, the outdoor industry, and the future of climbing? You're listening to The Runout. I'm Andrew Bisharat, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Kalous. Since neither one of us knows squat about comp climbing, we invited our mutual friend and colleague, Chris Parker, to be our guest for this episode. Chris is a former editor at Rock and Ice Magazine, and now he works as a content creator for Black Diamond. He got to travel to Innsbruck to witness and report on the entire world championships. One quick show note, I referenced an Iranian speed climber whose name I didn't know at the time. His name is Reza Alibor, and he is indeed a total major beast. Okay, hope you've clipped your last piece. The runout starts now. You're a former editor of Rock and Ice. You currently work at Black Diamond. You uh, were in Innsbruck for the World Championships, uh, which took place over the last couple weeks. On behalf of Black Diamond, who who you work for now, I'll let you introduce yourself and whatever your title is. But so you you have this like deep connection with the sport as a as a climber, but also as a person writing about the sport and covering it. As you were saying, you know, you kind of didn't have this um, real close connection to the the competition world. So was this your first real experience with a world championship and just the, the competition scene at large? Yeah. So, um, I'm Chris Parker and I I've been writing about climbing for almost 10 years now. 
now I work at Black Diamond and I'm the content guy and um, content manager, I, I think is my, my formal title. But one one major reason I went to Innsbruck for Black Diamond was to feel the pulse of what's happening in the competition climbing scene. Obviously, we're, we're all on this road to Tokyo, Tokyo 2020, and understanding what that looks like as a brand, as just a fan of the sport, as a climber in America, um, that was the overarching goal of my trip to Innsbruck. And so my experience with, with competition climbing was, I would say zero. I mean, I've been to, I would go and cover the Vail Games um, for Rock and Ice a few times. I think I did that. And I found that to be fairly underwhelming. And I've been trying to remember what that was like um, for a comparison to what I experienced in Innsbruck. Wait, before you keep going, Chris, I want to take a step back and just preface what the World Championships is. So my understanding, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, my understanding is the World Championships is different from the World Cup. The World Championships happens once every two years, um, although it's happening in succession this next year, just only because of the Olympics. And it's a much bigger deal than the World Cup scene. Now, what made this World Championship special was that this is the first time that they debuted the Olympic format, which is speed climbing, bouldering, and lead climbing combined into a single day. And uh, I think that one thing that maybe you can help me with and and our audience with is explaining how that works and what that format looks like and and really what is, how that's going to look once we get to Tokyo 2020. Yeah, so the the world championships were 10 days long. There was one rest day uh, for the athletes. And it was in three disciplines, um, that were treated separately. And that was lead climbing, bouldering and speed climbing. And each one of those events had a qualification round, a semifinals and a finals. Actually, I think, uh, speed only had a qualification and then a finals. It was it was a more condensed uh, round, and then there was a winner in each one of the. There was a world champion in each one of those disciplines. Now, this was a special world championships, as you mentioned, um, in the sense that they debuted the Olympic format, and what that is is a combination of each discipline and. Then there is a finals and it's called the combined format, basically. And um, they are there are six climbers that make it into that combined finals and they participate in a um, in all three disciplines in one event, in one final event. In one day. What It's in three hours. It's in three hours. Yeah. They have to do a speed route a bouldering route or a, bol- a boulder problem and a lead route in three hours. No, it's, it's actually, um, they compete in speed just like they would in a finals round. And then they compete in bouldering as it, as it would be in the bouldering finals. So there's four problems. 
and, and four separate problems, men's final one, men's final two, men's final three, men's final four. And then they come out and there's one lead route. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And so the, that's crazy. So that's basically what the Olympics is going to be. It's going to be one day with a random grouping of climbers. Well, not random. The best climbers assume ostensibly in the world. In three hours, they're going to do these three events and see who does the best in all of them. So to clarify, and I tried to, I tried to dig into this a little bit. And I don't think that the answers are all there. I don't think they exist yet. I spoke with Jerome Meyer, who is is head of Olympic coordination for the IFSC. Do you have Olympic coordination, Chris? No, I don't actually. <laughs> Um, IFSC is International Federation of Sport Climbing, just for those that don't know, like I didn't going into this. I, th I believe that there are going to be 40 countries uh, or 40 climbers representing countries entering the Olympics. Now, what's kind of unsolidified uh, from what I could tell, um, and there's still a lot of questions around it, even when I interviewed Adam Andra, he said the biggest question he has right now is the qualifications for the games. I understand right now that the qualifications are going to come from the 2019 World Championships being held in Tokyo. Then the other kind of unclear area as to what's going to happen with the Olympic format in 2020 is the qualification for the finals. Like, is there a qualification round a day before for men, both men and women to, to distill it down to that six that will enter the final. Just how it was in the World Championships in Innsbruck, their combined score, which is a multiplication where you multiply your lead ranking, where you finished in lead, by your bouldering ranking, where you finished in bouldering, and by your speed ranking, where you ended up in the speed field, that gives you a score and the lowest score is the best. Right. So if you if you're first in all 3 then your score is 1. Exactly. If you're second in all 3 then your score is Wow. How did you how did yeah. you just do that? Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, the, the the I guess the one of the main issues well I I have a few questions about this because this has all been abstract Ever since the news that climbing is going to the Olympics, you know, hit the scene, it's been abstract what that actually looks like. And it, and then we heard tale of the speed climbing being given equal weight to lead and bouldering are, are two sacred uh, competition realms. And speed climbing is sort of the, you know, the ugly stepchild of the... It's the outlier. The, the yeah, the outlier of the comp world. It's a nicer way of saying it. Well, here... Those Russians love speed climbing. I mean, yeah. So it's like, let's get to the, like the real heart of this. Like if can a speed climber from some random country who is just like absurdly fast at the speed route potentially take gold or beat like someone like Adam Andra, who, you know, is arguably the best rock climber on the planet right now. So now we're getting into it. So I, I did interview Adam about <laughs> this and... He mentioned that basically um, a speed spe he he mentioned that a speed specialist could actually make it into the finals into the top six and that's assuming that this is all going to play out 
like it did in Innsbruck. However, a, a speed specialist could potentially make it into the finals. And then basically, if they're in the top six, there is a possibility that a, a speed specialist, and, I, and I'm, I'm using specialist pretty loosely here because if you make it into the top six, you're a really, really ripping climber in all three disciplines. But say speed is your, your, your bread and butter. If you make it into the top six and you just lace the speed competition, you, you sew that up, you're number one, then you can, you can place fairly poorly in the other disciplines and still come out with a low score, right? However, what Andra said is if you completely crush the speed field and you have, and you get first, and then you tank in the other two fields and you have a 166 and you have a 36 total score, you could still win. But I don't think the math is correct. Well, basically, it's it's relying on the fact that there's intense competition with bouldering and lead. And so so if, if you're hedging your bets and you said, I'm going to put all of my money on the speed comp. Or I'm going to just train for that because the competition is so much lower. There's so many fewer uh, qualified speed climbers to compete against. So I, I feel like I can dedicate all my time to dominating the speed event. And then I'm going to rely on the fact that the lead and bouldering fields are so competitive that it's going to muddle the field. And all I need to do is you know, climb up to the, you know, the second to last hold on all those routes and not actually finish any of those problems or any, or, or the lead route. And because I've, I've dedicated all this time to dominating the speed world, which no one else has done, I, I could potentially make myself a, a competitive climber, potentially even get a medal at the Olympics with that strategy. I, I, I think it's possible However, if the way the combined finals played out in Innsbruck is any indication of what we're going to witness, I don't think that's going to be the case. So you're optimistic the Olympics are going to be cool to watch? I'm very optimistic after seeing the Olympic format format play out in the Innsbruck World Championships. I had no uh, context really into to what I was going to step into. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm just not that um, interested in comp climbing, or I should say I wasn't that interested in the World Cup comp climbing scene until I got there and started witnessing what this scene was all about. I thought it was just amazing. Uh, it was the greatest uh, climbing show I've ever witnessed, and it was live. It was like being at a rock concert 10 days in a row, seeing your favorite band rip it up night after night. And you didn't even know this band existed <laughs> a month before. Right. And, and let me just say it was one of the most exciting sporting events I've ever witnessed. And the combined finals were more exciting. Like more than cricket? <laughs> yes, more than cricket. Though I've never watched a cricket what game. About, what about baseball? 
you know, as as a climber, I I thought it was it was spectacular and it was way more exciting. What about ice hockey? It was, Surely ice hockey it, is more exciting to watch. It was way more exciting to watch than Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen going up the dom wall in that live feed. Um, <laughs> That that was a pretty funny moment in the sport when when there was that live feed of of them on the last pitch and they were just just motoring just so slowly up the wall and you're like just I hope that like Kevin doesn't like get a cam stuck and Tommy gets like up there for like forty five minutes trying to like remove the number three from the crack, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I mean, he, so he, you're a believer. I, I'm a, I'm a believer in the format because I saw what happened and and what happened was the best climbers in the world made the finals in both women's and men's it wasn't it, it wasn't a fluke so Chris you're in this interesting position of being a a journalist mm-hmm. and also deeply embedded in the world of the companies that run the outdoor industry mm-hmm. Uh, working at Black Diamond. So what's your sense of what kind of support you think that we might see from companies in terms of promoting the Olympics and getting rallying behind it? Is it can we expect all advertisements and and you know media to sort of build up uh, excitement around this uh, around the forthcoming Olympics or is this just going to be something that um, isn't paid attention to until the actual event. And then there's maybe a big to do, but then it's forgotten about the next day. I don't think that this style of competition climbing is a flash in the pan. Honestly, I think it's the future. Now, whether or not climbing remains in the Olympics, uh, Jerome Meyer was very clear that climbing made it into the 2020 games. But for Paris, the following 2024, it's not a guarantee. They have to, climbing has to apply again, basically. Um, Now, as far as support goes, it was very interesting being over there and being a part of something that you felt was really powerful. And I, and I, I felt that, and it was real, being there and, and that, um, you kind of felt like, again, like, like I'll say it again, it's sort of like being at a great rock concert where burning man, is it like burning man? Yeah. (laughs) I've never been to burning man. Exactly. But it was like, um, everybody there is feeling something and it's this excitement and it lasted for 10 days, you know? And, but the interesting thing, and my point about this is I was feeling this over in Innsbruck. However, I'm communicating to uh, Black Diamond's headquarters in Salt Lake City, and they had no clue. And even I, I could write all the articles, I could share pictures, I could try to explain it. It it didn't even make a dent over here. And honestly, it was a little disconcerting for me because, one, I was over there working really hard and and also experiencing something that you're like wow this is this is the future this is really cool this is like i'm i'm learning all this you know these cool characters these rock stars there's John Wanchan there's Tomoe Narasaki like these amazing climbers i'd never heard of and i'm i'm like certain they're the future and then over here it's like 
Well, um, do we have any good photos of somebody climbing a crack at Indian Creek? Because <laughs> was Alex Honnold there? Did you talk to Alex? Was he there? Right, and 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 that. Um, well, I mean, I, that it, it just speaks to the. I mean, you can talk about John Wan Chong all day, but was was there any American climbers who who showed any promise? Can we expect to see any Americans actually placing in the finals or getting a medal in the Olympics? Because uh, it seems like the field is just so far behind in the U.S. that uh, I don't even know who that would be that could that could compete on that level. Well, that's that's kind of my point is we're completely missing the boat. And if if we don't get behind this movement, we're just going to be left behind. And we can talk all day about Yvonne Chouinard and and the heritage and where cams were invented and climbing the Phoenix or whatever. But, <laughs> but the, the, the deal is that's, Namaste. that's, that is going to fade and the future of climbing like it or not it is with these 19 year old, these 21 year old, amazing athletic, just, unbelievable climbers competing on the world cup circuit and the world championships. And I, I mean, outdoor climbing is, is amazing. And I, I'm an outdoor climber and I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm shunning that aspect of the sport or anything. However, I, I feel like this future, um, this potential and climbing entering the Olympics and these are these climbers, this movement, this is happening. And we can either follow it and document it and be a part of it and feel it, or we can just completely be left out and left in the dust. And and it's already happening. Like you said, you know, it was pretty apparent that Americans are really far behind. I guess the only question at this point is can Zhang Wan Chong climb a five eleven off with <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like uh, Alex Nagas gone to the desert. People love to talk about that. You know, um, the, the the naysayers with all of this um, Olympic format and um, you know speed climbing is not climbing, and which I find it was pretty interesting to interview World Cup climbers about speed climbing and even. Uh, World Cup climbers that don't participate in the discipline, they do not disparage speed climbing. And there's some hiccups with it. I, I think the the speed climbing sport or discipline rather needs to evolve a little bit. The the route hasn't changed uh, since 2005. It's like the gym I go to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, but the route hasn't changed since 2005. And so wait, 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 yeah. wait. So the route like being climbed by the speed climbers is always the same. Since, same route. Since when? 2005. So for 13 years, they have Before haven't, Facebook. They this route is older than Facebook. <laughs> they haven't Think like about that. turned or hold into a side pull or into an undercling or anything. <laughs> yeah, well, check this out. So the beta is like part of like part of being fast is refining your beta and finding what works. However, when you get to the top tier, there's pretty solidified beta. I was chatting with Adam Andra and we asked him 
if he thought that, so the world record right now is like 5.5 seconds or 5.2 seconds. Um, it's, you know, in, it's insane insanely fast, fast to watch someone. Yeah. And it was set by this like bodybuilder guy and, and there is no way I can pronounce his name. And I'm sorry for that. Is he from Iran? Exactly. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw some f- footage of this dude and it's like, he, he smoked this route in like five seconds, turns around, looks at the audience on the lowering on the auto belay and just like gives this thug life like glare. It's just like the most gangster thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And he and he's like a total uh, speed specialist, like in the true sense of the of the um, word. But um, but so what's interesting is we asked Andra if if the route would go any faster, I mean, that's, that's going to be since the route doesn't change. Right. If like, what is going to like, eventually are we going to hit a cap and it's going to be 5.5 seconds, 5.4 seconds, 5.2. And then we're going to kind of sit there and then there's going to be three or four guys that can climb right around 5.2, 5.3. However, recently, there's been new beta discovered and <laughs> no, but check this out. Here's what, here's the same where, computer that mines Bitcoin. Here's what okay, came up with 13 this beta. years later. Here's a, 13 a years later. People have finally figured out new beta on a route on a vertical wall with jugs. <laughs> it, here, that's, that's what's going on. That's the cutting edge in climbing right now. So here's the interesting part about this. The beta was discovered by, arguably the world's greatest boulder that no American probably has heard of, Tomoa Naosaki. He's uh, from Japan and he is just unbelievable. So the beta basically skips this hold out left and he does a hand foot match and dinos past that hold straight up because the, the object of the game when speed climbing is to move in a perfectly straight line. Um, because it's the most efficient way to the top. And if you look at the route, the route, the holds are staggered left and right, left and right. So if you watch uh, somebody that's having a poor run, their body's kind of swinging left to right and they're losing all efficiency. I feel like I'm I'm watching NBC right now and there's an Olymp- there's Brian Gumbel just like giving the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? the, the analysis on, on the body mechanics <laughs> of uh, speed skating or in this case. This is climbing. your audition yeah. tip, yeah. Parker. Yeah, this is it. For, for yeah. Olympics, for being <laughs> the guy <laughs> well um no i've got nothing on the the austrian um announcers uh they were killing it but um but no so the so my point is this new beta was figured out not by a speed specialist but by somebody who's actively training for 2020 and it also happens to be the best at a discipline that's well respected and so they didn't debut it at this uh they didn't try the or debut this beta at this world championships cuz right now they feel it's too low percentage but it's being practiced by a few on the Japanese team but it's like throwing a V8 into a you know a, six, a sub 6 second or 6 second run up this 45 foot or however tall it is wall. Um, the people that are just really 
talking negatively towards speed. In my opinion, like after being there and witnessing this and talking to the World Cup climbers about speed and and watching it firsthand, they're the same people that thought that Andra was just going to get pummeled by the Dawn Wall. Right. Yeah. It's just like, just crust. Yeah. I mean, They're just fucking crusty. Yeah. It's just, he, I mean, he trounced it. And, and, and that's yeah. the thing is like, these guys are going to get fast, but it, it's not going it, to, it is like kind of cool. And, and it does benefit your bouldering. And I, you know, I talked to like Pachi Shobiaga, like Andres trainer. And he's like, dude, speed makes you a better boulder. Um, people are only going to think it's cool until this Iranian bodybuilder smokes Adam Andre in the Olympics. <laughs> and then people are going to be like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think that's the reality. <laughs> I mean, that it's only cool unless the, unless it, is, it irons out in the end and, and the person who you think shit deserves to win does actually wins. That's not going to happen. But what could happen is these, uh, brothers from France, Bassa Malam and McKay, that's sort of where we're getting into this uh, true hybrid climber where, um, you know, Boss is like, I don't know exactly how tall he is, but he's this like 6'2", 6'3", incredibly ripped guy that is just uh, explosive on the speed wall. But the dude can climb. And Michaela's is even better. He's not quite as fast as Bassa um, on the speed wall, but he made semifinals. No, I think he made finals in bouldering. I know he made semifinals, mm. but and he, you know, he's a he's a good route climber. So that's where we start to get into where these speed climbers that that's their strongest, that's their strength, but they're, they're they aren't the best in the other disciplines but could still potentially win by by winning speed. Interestingly though, if you're if you're 7 seconds, you're not even reaching the finals of speed. You had to go sub 6.3 to to even get into the finals of speed, which is insane. I mean so that's where you have guys like Bassa and the Iranian guy and these Russian guys all re- But Andre was like 9 seconds, right? Yeah, exactly. So Andre wasn't even close to to making the finals in speed. Well, <laughs> so I but can't. none of those guys. That's what I'm saying. None of those guys that made finals in speed made the overall combined. They, they oh, okay. you know what I'm saying. So all the top speed climbers in the individual didn't have good enough scores anywhere else to to get into the finals. Exactly. So there, so the Iranian guy's left in the dust. He never even makes the combined. He never even makes the combined. Right. So it actually, it might work out. Does anyone feel like they're, they're, that we're like kids again with like baseball cards, like analyzing stats? Dude, that's what I'm talking about, man. It, it was so exciting. And then the characters, like that was like, I'm big into characters. And when I, with baseball cards, it was always the player, like the way they looked and like the way they acted on the field and then like the way they like scowled in the picture and stuff. And like, yeah, like seeing these guys like uh, and and granted, they're like super young and and pretty dorky, a lot of them. But like when they come out on that stage and again, it was like a rock concert and they just own that shit, man. Like John Wanchan and these guys like just like fucking pumping up the crowd and and then just slaying these boulder problems man like you were I, I, it was just like you were 
just so excited to see John Wan Chong come out again. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it, man. Like, they were the, the true rock stars of this competition arena, and it was, um, it was pretty amazing, man. Tell me about a character on the women's side. Yeah, Yanya. Yeah, I mean, Yanya is just this, like, stone-cold, badass Slovenian. She's climbed two 9As, and she's hardly climbed outside at all. So she, she did two 14Ds, like, in three tries each or something ridiculous like that in Santa Linea. But she is just light years ahead. And, and, and people like Puccio, and that was interesting. Like, I sat next to Puccio watching uh, the men's bouldering finals, and she was talking to my coworker, Tyler Wilcott. She knows all these people. And yeah, but basically, like, these people are really well known ex- everywhere except here in America. And, and like, Yanya Garnbray, like, she's a total rock star. Like, she's got her name on her car, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> and, and she is a superstar of climbing. And her, all of her, her, like, her venue is the world cup circuit and these world championships. And she just crushes everything, man. Like they're having trouble setting for the comps now because Yanya will top everything and, and with ease. And then everybody else is like, you know, not even close. Um, so yeah. And then there's, uh, the Japanese gals like, uh, Miho Nanaka, who's like, you know, on billboards and stuff in Japan and just extremely charismatic. And she's amazing just like unbelievable. And we have no idea who she is here in the state. So is it a possibility that people who spend most of their time climbing outdoors aren't going to be competitive? Do you have to base, do you think you have to basically like shut that down and just be a plastic climber to be competitive? It's interesting because I sort of had this conversation with Nale at the bar a few nights ago and Nale used to be a, a very competitive. Listen to you, just like looking <laughs> late, night with Nale. Late, late night with Nale. <laughs> well, he's a, he's, I, I've known Nale for a little bit. He's a BD athlete and stuff. So he, yeah, he yeah. comes to the summit. He's awesome too, by the way. He's a really fun drinking partner. Um, but he's finished. Yeah. Yeah. He gets after it. Um, but Nale used to be a really competitive competition climber. And now he basically said like, he wouldn't even know what to do with those boulder problems. It's evolving into a different sub sport almost with the setting. However, I do think those guys like, um, Yamon Chan can, can go outside and climb extremely hard. I mean, I, I think, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of time and these guys come out like just like covered in KT tape. Um, and just like, they're like taped together from just wrecking their bodies, climbing the style and their, their training. The other question I mean is, is like, it's 2018. Any of these folks could just wreck themselves between now and 2020 anyway. You know, sure. uh, you know, bad injury like Puccio's been through and stuff. If that happens in 2019, they're not going, they're not going to compete, be able to be competitive in 2020, you know? I mean, that's a p- part of Olympics period. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, I think also that we, we kind of have seen who's going to be in the Olympics at this point. There's not going to be some 14-year-old up-and-comer who we've never heard before who uh, qualifies for 
for 2020, right? I mean, like, no, they, you, you, this field basically, like, it's, it's gotten to this level where the field that is competitive right now is going to be, that that's the cast of characters that are going to be in the Olympics. Those are the usual suspects for sure. And, and the, the wild card is what Calus is saying, like injury and, you know, that could happen to Yanya, that could happen to Narasaki bar something happening. Those are the people we're going to see on the podium. Right. What, what, so we, we need to wrap this up. So who's sure. your picks for the, like, who's going to win gold? Like, give us, like, two or three names. Who do, who do you think is, like, a, a major contender right now? Adamandra. Uh, Adamandra, you got to understand, man, he came from climbing a 515B slab in Canada to putting in a matter of weeks training for this world championships. And he got second in combined and second in lead. And he actually climbed better in lead in both the combined and the lead disciplines. Like the reason he got second in the lead individual is because he had a bad semifinal round where his skin, where his skin was really dry. And so he actually topped the route out and so did Jakob Schubert. And so then it went to where they fell in their semifinal. Um, and, and that's why he was second in that. And then in the combined finals, the anticlimactic uh, ending that Andra kind of predicted um, as a potential uh, downside to the the way the combined format works did happen. Uh, Schubert fell lower on the lead route at the end, and he he went last. And but all he had to do was make it to fifth, and his combined score would put him in first overall. He did climb high because Schubert's an amazing climber, but he didn't climb as high as Andra. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't underwhelming by any means. It was still really exciting to view. Um, so it, it, basically, what I'm saying is Adam Andre is, is going to put his mind towards 2020, and I, I think it would be you know foolish not to um, consider him the top contender. What about for the women? Uh, Yanya Yanya Garnbray. From Slovenia, she will win. She's on a ne- uh, on another level, and she won combined. She won bouldering, and she took second in lead. And again, theirs came down to time. Both her and Jessica Pills topped the the lead route in the finals, and uh, Yanya was just a few seconds slower. Which, if you talk to Adam Andra, that actually makes her the better climber. He's like a strong proponent of doing away with the the timing deal with who wins and who doesn't. Um, Cause if you're on the route longer than you're a stronger climber in his opinion, but um, yeah, Yanya for sure is the favorite. Nobody's coming close to her right now in bouldering and in lead and she'll train speed and she'll be fast. That's the thing is like, these guys are going to train speed and they're going to be fast, fast enough, fast enough. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, well, thanks a lot, Chris, for coming on. And, uh, you know, it's good to hear that sort of like me, an outdoor climber, uh, someone who had no interest in it, went over there and and had a great time. I've always suspected that would happen because, you know, you just have this feel coming out of Europe where the the competitions, they're just so much more um, popular. And then that popular wave, you know, it's exciting to be there with a whole 
bunch of people that are also stoked as opposed to just like family and friends that that show up at a lot of competitions here so sure um it's good to hear you had a great time yeah it was amazing did you enjoy the part where they burned the giant man down at the end <laughs> that was the best part <laughs> it was filled with weed <laughs> thanks chris If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.